Contented Media presents Dr. Bitcoin, the man who wasn't Satoshi Nakamoto, an original podcast series with Mark Hunter and Arthur Van Pelt. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Dr. Bitcoin, the man who wasn't Satoshi Nakamoto. This special episode covers the Hodlernaut libel trial taking place in Norway from September the 12th, 2022, a trial that has been more than three years in the making. So we thought this would be a perfect opportunity to run through the case from its inception to give you a clear idea of how we got to where we are and what's at stake. Before we go any further, it's time to get acquainted. My name is Mark Hunter, writer, after-dinner speaker and 1997's UK sub-regional under-8 spelling champion. And with me is world-famous Craig Wright debunker, Arthur Van Pelt. Arthur, are you ready to take our long-awaited dive into the Hodlernaut case? I sure am, uh, Mark. Let's go. Fantastic. Let's get started. Now, before we get going with the story, it's important to note that this is one of two court cases taking place between Craig Wright and Hodlernaut across two different countries. The reason for this will become clear as we go, but please bear in mind this is the Norway case we're talking about in this episode. The case in the UK isn't due to be heard until 2023. With that understood, let's begin. Arthur, we'll start with a bit of background. Everyone knows who Craig Wright is by now, but who is Hodlernaut? He is an individual from uh, from Norway with a good heart for Bitcoin and Bitcoin only. Yeah, and he is supporting Bitcoin uh, every way he can. And Hodlernaut is, of course, not his real name. It's his uh, nickname on uh, Twitter that made him somewhat famous in that era. It was called the Lightning Torch. That is something that I will always remember because I participated in the Lightning Torch. But Hodlernaut was actually the person who started uh, the Lightning Torch, which was an experiment very early, I think in January 2019, with the meaning to test, well, the then rather unknown Lightning Network by sending a Bitcoin transaction on the Lightning Network to a somewhat random Twitter user. And when this person received this Bitcoin, the Satoshis, because it was uh, rather small amounts, he would send it onwards after adding a certain amount of uh, Satoshis to the received amount until the max capacity of Lightning Network was reached. They limited at that moment, currently it's a bit higher, but at that moment uh, they limited the amount that could be sent on the, the Lightning Network. After this max capacity of Lightning Network was reached, then the total amount would then be donated to uh, to charity. This uh, experiment was repeated several times in the years after, and also uh, several high-profile Bitcoiners like uh, Matt Odell, Samson Mao, Jack Dorsey, Andreas Antonopoulos, I remember, they also uh, joined in in the Lightning Torch uh, event. And um, it got quite the attention also back then. Uh, several Bitcoin media, like Bitcoin Magazine and uh, Coindesk, uh, wrote about it. Hodlernaut's entanglement with Craig Wright began, officially, in March 2019, when Hodlernaut sent out a number of tweets stating, in various forms, that Wright was not Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin. Hodlernaut was one of many doing the same thing at this time, but seemingly he pushed a button inside Wright that very few people could reach, and Wright took action. His legal team, Ontia, contacted Hodlernaut through Twitter to tell him to delete the tweets and offer the following public apology. I was wrong to allege Craig Wright fraudulently claimed to be Satoshi. I accept he is Satoshi. I am sorry, Dr. Wright. I will not repeat this libel. Ontier gave Hodlernaut seven days to accede to its demands, during which time Hodlernaut sought legal counsel in both the UK and his home country of Norway. He did not, however, offer the grovelling apology, thinking the whole thing was just a storm in a teacup and that he was under no real pressure, given that Wright was in the UK and all he'd done was send a few tweets. However, Hodlernaut was soon advised by his Norwegian law firm that, in fact, there was a legal mechanism in place that would mean that he, a Norwegian citizen, could be found liable for defamatory claims against a UK citizen. This is part of the Lugano Convention, Arthur, what is this convention and what does it mean? The Lugano Convention, that is an, an international agreement between several countries. Uh, it provides for the recognition and enforcement of uh, a wide range of uh, civil and commercial judgments between the European Union and the EFTA states. And the current signatories of the Lugano Convention are uh, Switzerland, the European Community, the Kingdom of Denmark, 
Kingdom of Norway and the Republic of Iceland. The United Kingdom was a member of the Lugano Convention, courtesy of its membership of the uh, European Union, but upon the end of the transition period, it ceased to be a member. So when Holnot was dragged into these lawsuits in, in April-May, yeah, the UK was still a member of the European Union, as you might know. So yeah, Holnot uh, had to take this into uh, consideration at the time. For the moment, however, Hodlinort was safe, because Wright didn't know his real name or where he lived, so he couldn't serve him with any papers. Yet. Wright's actions had an instant and lasting impact. A Twitter campaign, We Are All Hodlinort, started up on Twitter as the other 99.9% of the crypto space that isn't on Wright's side, or payroll, took umbrage at his actions. More importantly, large cryptocurrency exchanges began pulling their support for the BSV token on the back of the action taken against Hodlinort, as well as that taken against Peter McCormack, Vitalik Buterin, Roger Ver, and Adam Back, who Wright had also sued for similar reasons. This has led to the creation of the corrupt exchange cabal hypothesis that still festers in the BSV camp to this day, and which saw a £9.9 billion class action lawsuit against those same exchanges in August 2022. With Wright and his financial backer Calvin Eyre working hard to find out who Hodlinort was so they could serve him, Hodlinort was busy trying to see if it was possible to get ahead of Wright's efforts by suing him first in Norway and trying to obtain a court ruling that he wasn't liable for damages caused by the tweets. Hodlinort would use the argument that his tweets amounted to a freedom of speech and that he could not be held liable for any damage to Wright's reputation. He would also argue that not only was he protected under freedom of speech, but he was also right. Craig Wright was not Satoshi, and he could prove it. The idea here was to obtain a Declaration of Non-Liability, also called a Negative Declaratory Relief, or an NDR. Arthur, what is an NDR, and how would it have helped Hodlinort? To describe this properly, I, uh, I had to look this up, because it's a bit of a rare uh, phenomenon, uh, an NDR. So uh, allow me to uh, read to you what, what I found on harness.com. I found a pretty nice uh, description. A negative declaratory relief is unusual in the sense that it reverses the natural roles of the claimant and the defendant. Rather than the claimant seeking to establish liability on the part of the defendant, instead the defendant seeks a declaration to the effect that it is not liable. And if granted, a negative declaration will ordinarily make the issue with which it is concerned as res judicata, which means that it's a matter that has been formally ruled upon by a competent court and therefore may not be pursued further by the same parties. So yeah, with uh, this in mind, of course, an NDR in uh, Norway would potentially be very helpful in uh, the process for uh, Hodlnot. While an NDR was a potentially useful tool for Hodlinort to try, there was, as we have heard, one caveat. With the UK in the process of leaving the EU at the time, the Lugano Agreement was about to be unenforceable in the UK, leaving the British government needing to arrange deals with independent member countries over the matter of enforcing legal rulings. As such, there was no guarantee that the UK and Norway would have such a deal in place if the trial took place after the UK officially left the EU on January 31st, 2020. This would mean that the two cases could be tried completely independent of each other, with the possibility of opposing verdicts over the same issue. While Hodlinort knew that starting his own legal case before Wright might benefit him, he also knew that doing so would reveal his identity to the world, something he wasn't prepared to do unless it was absolutely necessary. Hodlinort and his legal team decided to prepare the Norway case, so that the moment his identity was uncovered, if it ever was, they could file immediately and potentially get ahead of Wright. The first attempt to uncover Hodlinort's identity was conducted by Ontier, who wrote to Twitter demanding that the company hand over Hodlinort's details. The platform, however, as it rightly should, refused to comply. What came next encapsulates what Craig Wright and Calvin Eyre are all about, and shows the lengths they would go to in order to get their man. Arthur, this is quite an important moment in your life, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely, Mark, uh, because here is where the Fictoshi saga became personal uh, for me. 
I learned about Craig Wright in 2015 already, just before the White and Gizmodo articles uh, when he came out, when he was uh, revealed as a possible Satoshi Nakamoto candidate. But yeah, that uh, certainly did not impress me uh, with uh, many forgeries and inconsistencies found. And, and that was followed by, uh, in May uh, 2016, with these uh, signing sessions that uh, failed uh, completely. So I uh, completely ignored him uh, for several years. But that uh, changed around uh, March 2019 when uh, Craig Wright uh, threatened with and, yeah, and then uh, actually also started his uh, little suits against uh, several Bitcoiners, Peter McCormack and Holnot, of course, and, uh, and Adam Beck. And he also uh, yeah, had the disgusting nerves to uh, put a $5,000 bounty on Holnot's head to get him docs to find his address. But in that era of liberal lawsuits, I decided to, to gather and map out uh, all the known and hardly known and unknown debunk information about uh, our cosplayer Craig Wright, because it was spread all over the internet, and um, yeah, most of it was uh, was forgotten. It uh, is something that dated back to 2015, 16, right around the signing session. So many people uh, wrote about it, but it was completely forgotten in uh, in 2019. So it was uh, really needed that uh, somebody gathered uh, that information uh, from Reddit and Bitcoin Talk and blogs and, and everywhere. Uh, at the same time, I met an Australian guy and a Twitter user called uh, Jimmy007 for sure. And uh, together, uh, the two of us, we started to debunk uh, yeah, things like uh, Fiber to Banu and Microsoft Patch Tuesday and things like that. It was in, uh, in April 2019. Yeah, that's where it started. And here we are, Mark. So was it the lawsuit or the doxing that was the moment that you suddenly thought, well, hang on a second, that's not right? I considered uh, Hodlnot as an, as an online friend of, uh, of myself because I appreciated what he did for, uh, for Bitcoin and especially Lightning Network, the Lightning Torch experiment. But the doxing, I found so low that I was like, nah, now I'm going to help uh, everybody who is uh, in, in or outside in the courtroom uh, with Craig Wright. Revealing uh, everything that he has been doing uh, for the last few years is probably very helpful. Ayer's tactics worked and he found out Hoganaut's first name, which he used in a number of tweets to try and convince the Norwegian to accede to Wright's demands and offer the formal apology. How do we know this? because one of those who helped with the doxing actually complained on Twitter in June 2019 that he hadn't gotten the full payout for his efforts. Hodlinort refused to comply, which led Calvin Eyre onto his next trick. He hired private investigators to get the information he needed. These investigators tried through Facebook and LinkedIn to get Hodlinort to confirm his identity, which was unsuccessful, and so on May 16th, Hodlinort says... They contacted his place of work and, under the guise of the police, got his full name, address and phone number out of one of the office managers. Hodlinort received a phone call from the investigator later that day, with the investigator telling him up front that he had obtained Hodlinort's details from his workplace and asking him to officially confirm his identity. Hodlinort refused and alleges that in response, the investigator warned him that you do not want to mess with these people. Hodlinort spoke to his legal team who advised him to sign, which he did on May 20th, one day after he had fired the starter pistol on the Norway case, an act that CoinGeek said could be a possible breach of Norwegian civil procedures, which of course it wasn't. Calvin Eyre, however, didn't get the memo, saying that the move was exactly what Craig wanted some PUD to do, file an action and have the burden on them to prove a negative and let Craig get his whole story out in court. Amazing. Wright, too, was looking forward to the trial, saying in one of his final Reddit posts, I look forward to my day in court against every single person who has libelled me. I shall be in court and I shall take action. It was interesting, therefore, that the first action Craig Wright took was to file for a motion to dismiss the case on jurisdictional grounds, or alternatively, referred to the Oslo Conciliation Board, or alternatively again, put on hold, citing the Peter McCormack trial, which he had also launched at the same time as the Hoddlenaut case, as the reason for doing so. Arthur, how did his motion fare? Yeah, not exactly good, Mark. Uh, it was a uh, rather crucial moment in the whole process because we see Craig uh, Wright lose again based on jurisdiction grounds. And uh, yeah, allow me to read something from that. On the 6th of December of 2019, the Oslo District Court dismissed Dr. Wright's applications on all three bases. The court concluded that there was 
jurisdiction to bring negative actions for the declaration that the relief sought was global, in the sense that it was not limited to any harm or loss suffered in Norway, and that Article 5.3 of the Lugano Convention was applicable, because the harmful event occurred in Norway. I understand that Dr. Wright is considering an appeal, but for present purposes I must proceed on the footing that the Oslo District Court has accepted jurisdiction. Needless to say, CoinGeek, which had gleefully reported on the ratcheting up of Wright's libel cases, including this one, did not cover this rejection. Ever the fighter, and now given his chance to face Hoddle and Alt in court, Wright appealed the decision not to dismiss the case on jurisdictional grounds. This he lost in June 2020. Finally, he would get what he wanted, a court date where he could lay all his Satoshi evidence out for everyone to see. But no, he appealed this decision too, taking it all the way to the Oslo Supreme Court, where he was finally told in September 2020 that he had to face the music he had said he so desperately wanted to dance to. While Wright was doing his best to avoid the court case CoinGeek said he couldn't wait to face, Hodlinort had received a massive boost when Wright's case against him in the UK was dismissed by the English High Court. This was due to both cases having causes of action pursuant to Article 27.1 of the Lugano Convention, and also due to the fact that the Oslo Court had been the first to get the case, giving it jurisdiction. Hodlinort's strategy, it seemed, had paid off. This put more pressure on Wright's actions in Norway and left him with a legal bill of $66,000, although this was not demanded until an appeal was heard, with Wright lodging one weeks later. Arthur, knowing what we know now about the Peter McCormack case, which Wright gave as a reason for putting these cases on hold, what were the differences between the two cases? Uh, for me, the most important difference were uh, that Holdnot had, uh, had a bounty on his head for $5,000 uh, and uh, Peter McCormack did not have uh, such a thing to deal with. If that will be dealt with in court is, uh, is another story, of course, but um, we will have to see about that. Uh, secondly, uh, Hodnot still holds on to the, to the so-called uh, truth defense, and I sometimes call it a truth attack, <laughs> because if you're looking at it from Hodnot's angle uh, in the Norway case, then uh, Craig has to prove that he is uh, Satoshi, so uh, Hodnot is <laughs> attacking that. If Craig cannot prove that in uh, Norway, then the tweets in which uh, Hodnot said that uh, Craig is a fraud and not Satoshi, uh, yeah, they are not liberals uh, anymore, of course. Looking at the issue of the truth defence then, what does Norwegian law say about it? Norwegian courts are bound by the European Convention on Human Rights and enforces them through its various conventions, especially in this case Article 10, protecting freedom of expression, and Article 6 and 8, protecting the presumption of innocence, including libel cases. Generally speaking, the truth is protected, provided you can prove it. The more serious the allegation, the more solid the factual basis has to be. For example, if the allegation is of a criminal nature, the defendant will have to prove the allegation beyond reasonable doubt, as in criminal cases, and will always have the burden of proof. Clearly, this case was nothing as serious as that in nature, meaning the burden of proof on Hodlinort would be lower. Therefore, it would not simply be a case of all the burden being on Hodlinort to prove a negative. Wright, equally, would have to show enough credible evidence that he was Satoshi for the judge to decide on. Another difference between the McCormack case and this one would be the matter of freedom of speech. Hodlinort also plans to use this as his defence, and indeed, he would be supported by a strong Norwegian constitution. In 2020, the Global State of Democracy Indices found that Norway was joint seventh in the top 30 countries with the most freedom of speech, while research from judicial think tank Justitia, in collaboration with Columbia University, saw Norway ranked top of 165 countries surveyed on the importance of freedom of speech to its citizens. Arthur, I think this freedom of speech angle might be something of a dark horse for Hodlnot here, because Norwegians really seem to value it, don't they? Yeah, it, uh, it looks like that, um, Mark, but uh, to give you my, my consideration uh, about it, because it, I guess it's, it's a fine line between liberal and freedom of speech uh, sometimes, when it's about the reputation of a person. If someone is deliberately using false facts to try to smear someone who has otherwise a spotless public reputation, yeah, then, uh, then liberal is uh, certainly the main issue, uh, I think. But in Craig's case, the con continued fact-finding since 2015 about his fraud, his lies, his forgeries that we have unearthed, 
and that he is creating to support his lies, especially about being a Satoshi, which is his biggest lie at the moment. It has led to a long list of stuff that we know about him. So it appears to me that it is completely fair to call Craig Wright a fraud. And let's not forget, no less than eight judges in three different uh, continents have basically called him a liar, a serial forger, and uh, yeah, basically a fraud uh, also. So if you ask me, Holdenot has a good chance in Norway to win uh, the freedom of speech uh, point. With the court date set for January 24th, 2022, both teams got down to preparing their cases, examining the vagaries of the Norwegian defamation laws to see how they could turn it to their advantage. Hodlinort's team pieced together a timeline of Craig Wright's chequered past when it came to his claims to be Satoshi, using much of the material already used against Wright both online and in court, while Wright's team searched through what Calvin Eyre called the boxes of historical documents including old versions of the white paper in Craig's handwriting and printed with his notes and coffee on them and rusty staples that weren't able to be admitted to the McCormack case after he abandoned the truth defence. Finally, the world was going to see a genuine early copy of the Bitcoin white paper written by the man himself. Would Hodlenaut's team carbon date the coffee stains or track down the paper supplier to see when it was manufactured? Only time would tell. Although, Arthur, didn't Peter McCormack get a glimpse of these documents or something like them? Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty funny anecdote. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, I think that... Um... Peter McCormick indeed had this handwritten white paper in his case because I remember him tweeting. It was a tweet where he only said, ha, 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 and a lot more, ha, 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 ha. And I think it was somebody referring to this uh, white paper. It appeared to me that uh, Peter indeed had, uh, had seen uh, between the exhibits in his case that he found this uh, handwritten uh, white paper. And clearly it <laughs> did not really impress him. Well, please, if someone somehow has a copy of this early Bitcoin white paper, do not leak it. Do not put it online. That's very, very bad. Uh, yes, I fully agree. Don't leak the early white paper. Uh-uh. Despite what he may have thought privately over its validity, Hodlinort could not ignore the fact that the jury in the Kleiman trial found no evidence of fraud by Craig Wright, despite the meticulous takedown of his documents by Dr Matthew Edmund. However, with the judge deciding this case rather than a jury, there was more chance of a sceptical eye looking on. As to what else Wright and his legal team may have up its sleeve, it took until the week before the trial before that would be known, with the CoinGeek piece revealing their secondary plan of attack. In the piece, they revealed that even if Hodlinaut could somehow show that a given statement is true, the court will also look at other factors, such as the manner in which the statement was made, or the nature of the person making the statement, when deciding whether the statement was unlawful. This rather innocuous proclamation would come to play a big part in how Wright's team approached its defence. Any argument over the Lugano Convention was rendered moot when the appeal court overturned the verdict to throw out the UK case, saying that there were crucial differences which meant that the potential for irreconcilable judgments didn't exist. This ended any chance of negative declaratory relief, with the two trials able to carry on as if the other wasn't happening. Although, of course, any ruling in the Norway trial would still be used by the victorious party in the UK one. In June 2021, Cobra Bitcoin lost to a default judgment to Craig Wright over the hosting of the Bitcoin white paper on the Bitcoin.org website, a win which Wright has himself discredited, forcing him to take it down. The BSV crew lauded this win, with Calvin Eyre saying, Craig is Satoshi and is trying to get the evidence into court, but the Twitter trolls only want to litigate on social media. They all know Craig is Satoshi, so do not want to face the evidence in open court. Let's not forget that it was Craig Wright who tried so hard to get this case thrown out and failed every time. Arthur, Cobra Bitcoin chose not to disclose his identity in this case, which ultimately led to his defeat because he was worried what the more unhinged members of the BSV community might do. Given the way Hodlinort has been treated since he was doxxed, this was in many ways a smart move, wasn't it? Yeah, I, th I think so. Absolutely. And with all respect uh, to Hodlinort, uh, of course, but Cobra Bitcoin had several other things on his head. As he is running the original Bitcoin website, Bitcoin.org, that uh, Satoshi Nakamoto bought and set up in 2008. And yeah, with uh, Craig Wright, Cobra Bitcoin is uh, running the risk that uh, Craig will try to harass him even more 
with the goal to confiscate or otherwise uh, try to obtain uh, the Bitcoin website when he knows uh, Cobra Bitcoin's uh, real name and address. So that was for him also a factor uh, to consider that he did not want to lose uh, the, well, yeah, one of the most important uh, Bitcoin websites in the world, that our friend Craig Wright would get his hands on it. As the two camps finalised their arguments, nothing more happened throughout 2021 except for continued verbal jousting. On December 5th, Hodlinort told Twitter, Just 50 days until my trial against CSW starts. It's been almost three years of bullshit, so looking forward to ending this. I expect a resounding victory. Calvin Ayer, of course, was first to reply. Does he really have nothing better to do? Saying, ha 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 ha, Craig has won all his cases and will continue to win. Real question is, who is paying you to act like a moron on the internet by attacking Satoshi and who is funding your case? Ayer later claimed that the centralised small block controllers are betting the farm on sneaking a win against Satoshi in Norway and adding, if Craig wins this as expected, this will be global news. Intriguingly, Ayer also offered a sneak peek into what Wright's Norwegian lawyers had in their pocket, saying, there is new evidence coming in this case not released in the Florida Satoshi trial. Also, new witnesses. However, with just a month to go until the start of the trial, another tweet from Ayer suggested that there was a sudden roadblock in the way. Some panic in small block legal strategy world. Norway Copa Light has dumped massive dock on Craig and this will now delay their bet the farm efforts to get a win, any win. Just an hour later, he was at it again. Norway Satoshi trial confirmed delayed, most likely until Q3 of 2022, caused by plaintiffs dumping stuff on defendants for no reason over holidays. This is intentional delay. Nobody wants to actually face Craig in court. They only want to attack on social media. Arthur, what was the story here behind these documents? CoinGeek uh, claimed that the reason for this was that Hollandon's legal team dumped, well, what was it, 3,700 something uh, pages of documents, uh, which included uh, that uh, 350 pages uh, forensic report. So the filing came six months after the evidence deadline, and Wright's team argued that the sheer volume made it impossible to analyze before the trial. So Wright's team filed for a delay, which the judge uh, granted, arguing uh, that they should uh, be given the opportunity uh, yeah, to contradict uh, all this new evidence. But don't forget, Mark, this is not the whole story. Because these thousands of pages initially also came from Wright's camp, which Hoddlenot's team, including digital forensic experts from uh, KPMG, poured over and filed responses to, including extra material from the recently concluded climate trial on top. Now, all that material is already known by uh, Craig Wright himself. So why should he, except for, of course, for the forensic report, I can understand that you want to have a, a look at that. But uh, most of that other material either came from himself or came from other cases that he already uh, knew existed. So this was the package that uh, Wright's team uh, objected to, uh, with Hollenot saying that Wright uh, saw our evidence and unable to defend it, he requested to have the trial postponed. So technically speaking, it was Craig Wright who was delaying but on the other hand, if you know to go through uh, almost 4,000 pages, including a hefty uh, forensic uh, expert report, the largest I've seen so far in uh, any Craig Wright case, so I'm very curious to learn what is in there. Yeah, then uh, I can imagine uh, that you uh, need a little bit uh, more time. This delay from Wright was labelled by CoinGeek as a devious ploy to delay proceedings by Hodlinort. Air tweeted, they dumped thousands of documents over the holidays when the deadline was last June, making it impossible for Craig to get a fair trial, as he has not time to review, and now they are saying this is Craig afraid of them. They did this on purpose to delay the trial. We also got news that there might be a star witness at the trial, Craig Wright's mother. Calvin Ayer, tweet, February 1st, 2022. He, Craig, is Satoshi. I know personally three folks who knew him when he invented Bitcoin and talked to him about it as he was working on it. One is his mom. One of them will be a live witness in Norway, Stefan Matthews. They cannot win this. In July, we got the new confirmed start date, September the 12th, with Hodlinort saying that he was still expecting to win. Arthur, the trial might have been postponed for nine months or so, but something else happened in the meantime that would have an impact on this trial, didn't it? Ah, uh, you mean the... The judgment of uh, in the Peter McCormick case? Yes. 
<laughs> and there we can say that Craig Wright had a, had a Pyrrhic victory as he was awarded the nominal damages of one British pound after which we can expect that Craig is going to pay a substantial amount to Peter for compensation of his legal costs. Um, yeah, because in, 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 in the McCormick case it turned out that uh, Craig has been lying and he made it all up about uh, 10 conferences that, uh, that either didn't know about uh, Craig Wright, uh, they had never heard about him, or if they did hear about him and he had sent in uh, papers and they discussed uh, several of them, they were plagiarized uh, garbage. Craig pulled that uh, evidence of the 10 conferences quickly, just before the trial, but the judge, of course, uh, discussed it uh, during trial. And um, uh, at the end, in his uh, judgment, he said, literally, uh, yeah, having found uh, Dr. Wright uh, not to be a uh, witness of uh, truth. So for the Norway trial, uh, let's really go back to the Norway trial. This is probably uh, very good for the morale <laughs> over there. This is kind of a free hit for Hodlin almost, because he was going into this case without, you know, without the knowledge of what, what would happen in the McCormack case. And he's just got another judgment, just handed to him on a silver plate saying, look, here's more proof this guy lied in the case right before this. It's like a little early birthday present, wasn't it? Certainly. The only thing that I'm not aware of, uh, I don't remember that uh, Holmont ever tweeted about it, but we can expect that immediately when that uh, judgment was uh, online, I'm pretty sure that uh, his counsel downloaded the copy and immediately uh, pushed it in the face of uh, the judge in uh, Norway. Look, this is happening in, uh, in the UK. This is the guy that we are dealing with. Despite this, Wright's acolytes insisted that a court ruling against Wright would not make a difference to how they viewed him, with Kurt Vuckert Jr. saying in August 2022, if Norway can prove a negative, I'll be impressed. Adding when asked if he would accept such a verdict, of course not. It's impossible to prove Craig isn't Satoshi unless someone else proves that they are. Similarly, Calvin Eyre tweeted just days after that This train has left the station. No matter the outcome of the cases, there is no dispute that Craig invented BSV, which happens to be original Bitcoin protocol. That sound you can hear is goalposts being desperately shifted. CoinGeek gave us its own rundown of what the McCormack verdict meant for Hodlinaut on September the 6th. Surprise, surprise, they thought it boded ill for him, saying that Wright's Pyrrhic victory should be a red flag for the Norwegian. This, despite the cases being markedly different. The piece continued. That the judge in McCormack saw fit to reduce Wright's damages to £1 will offer Hodlinaut no comfort. That reduction was subsequent to a finding in favour of Dr Wright on his actual case against McCormack, and was done on the basis that Wright was at one point set to rely on evidence that later turned out to be allegedly untrue, although that evidence was abandoned by Wright before the case reached trial. Not that it matters. Yeah, not that it matters. With both teams once more beavering away on their cases, it was left, again, to social media to debate the merits of the case in the months leading up to the delayed trial. Calvin Eyre was a constant menace on Twitter, asking in June why a nobody collage teacher in Norway is paying this kind of money to try to prove Craig is not Satoshi, adding that courts are for victims like Craig to get justice. If anyone really sees Craig Wright as a victim, then they need a serious sympathy transplant. As the date drew closer, unsubstantiated rumours began to surface on two fronts, that Hodlinaut would abandon the truth defence and that Wright would cede the case before it started, or at least not turn up. Wright's supporters began suggesting, based on the fact that Peter McCormack dropped his truth defence due to costs, that Hodlinaut was going to do the same, with the suggestion appearing on Reddit that Hodlinaut's team would pretend that they will fight up until court and then abandon the truth defence at the last minute. Others cited the difficulty of proving a negative in a libel case as the reason why it would be dropped, something that, they didn't seem to realise, would have come up before now as all the evidence had been available and examined for years. Hodlinaut supporters based their belief that Wright wouldn't show, and may even fold, on his experience during the Peter McCormack trial, and the fact that he might prefer to admit to a default loss and concentrate his efforts on the UK case, where he had more chance of success. Arthur, there was much less discussion of the Hodlinaut case within the BSV community, certainly far less than the Kleiman case and the case against the developers. Do you think the McCormack case stifled their enthusiasm a little bit, or do you think this is just lawsuit weariness by now? 
Yeah, I think that your reasons that you just mentioned uh, play a role, but also because uh, Hollenot managed to keep uh, rather quiet about the progress in the lawsuit uh, all this while. He tweeted not so much about it. And um, actually, he did the same as uh, Peter McCormick. He didn't uh, tweet also too much about it. So then you can only see them yeah, making guesses. I mean, the BSV fans, they, they can only make guesses what is going on. And I think because that is most of the times the case that uh, the councils will always advise their clients uh, yeah, not to talk uh, too much about it in uh, in public because it will give away uh, yeah, the strategy and it will uh, create extra stress because then they also have to handle the, the, the public backlash of, uh, of saying something. There's also a suggestion from both sides, it seems to me, to almost dismiss the importance of this case when it comes to rights claims to be Satoshi, favouring the COPA case uh, over this one. What's your take on that? Yeah, to a certain extent, I would agree with that. It will be a massive blow to Craig's credibility when a Norway court rules uh, Holmos, his tweets uh, were not libelous, because indeed, in our opinion, Craig has not provided enough evidence that he is Satoshi. And uh, he has presented a lot of uh, fraudulent uh, evidence uh, instead. But I'm sure the BSV camp will still manage to twist this into a narrative that Craig Wright still has the mind-blowing final proof of his uh, satoshiness in his uh, pocket. For example, uh, for the Copa case, his appeal in the, in the Pineapple Hack case, maybe. But uh, probably for the Copa case. That is uh, one of the most uh, prolific and, uh, and highly anticipated cases that we know uh, about, where his uh, satoshiness is really uh, attacked uh, until the foundations, because it goes back to the foundations of uh, his copyright of database and uh, source code and uh, all those things. So presuming that we will never know what evidence Craig Wright uh, dropped in the Hoddenort uh, Norway case and to what extent it was uh, debunked, it might not feel yeah, done yet for either us or the BSV camp. But I'm just guessing here, of course, and maybe I will change my mind after the, the Norway trial and especially the ruling. Uh, but when in the Copa case Craig uh, fails to prove his uh, Satoshi copyright things, that would probably feel much more like... Uh, and this is the end of uh, our cosplayer. As if aware that there was a growing question over whether, after all, anyone actually could positively identify Wright as Satoshi Nakamoto, despite Wright's own claims for years that this was exactly what he wanted to attempt, CoinGeek published a piece entitled Proving Satoshi Nakamoto's Identity in Court. Will anyone ever be satisfied? In the piece, staunch Wright supporter, Metanet TV host and soft soap Craig Wright interviewer John Southhurst criticised those who called Wright the man who claims to be Bitcoin's inventor, even though that's exactly what he is, adding that it's important to remember that it was never Wright who initially made these claims. As anyone who has listened to episode one of our podcast series will know, this is nonsense, as Wright emailed Dave Kleiman's father, Louis Kleiman, in 2014 to tell him exactly that. Southhurst also noted the potential impact of the McCormack case, stating that an English judge decided McCormack did, in fact, defame Dr. Wright, but also noted several examples where he'd found Wright's supporting evidence to be questionable. Oh, where's my massive understatement, Claxon? Must have left it in the car, never mind. The piece then claimed that all those who have met Wright in court in various ways have avoided opportunities for Dr. Wright to present slam-dunk evidence to support his claim to be Satoshi Nakamoto, an issue that would finally be resolved in Norway. Arthur, he seems to have forgotten about Bombshell Monday, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, that was indeed uh, something. Huh? Let's bring back the listener to... Uh, it. That was a day during the climate trial in November 2021 when Craig Wright uh, would take the stand and tell his Satoshi story with all the Satoshi evidence that he would bring in. But that whole thing actually fizzled out like a little candle because all we got was a handwritten, what was it, a BDO minutes paper from August 2007. And well, that's what he said that it was. And it was uh, 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 represented as uh, such. And, and my guess is indeed that it was created in 2019, backdated to 2007 by uh, Craig Wright. But that whole bombshell Monday, I mean, I still remember that uh, the BSV camp was tweeting about uh, credit card evidence uh, with which uh, Greg Wright had paid for uh, the Bitcoin.org uh, website uh, back in 2008. We did not see that. 
we did not see uh, any, uh, what we discussed earlier, those white paper, uh, they were handwritten white paper stuff, uh, not any drafts. We did not see any uh, 2008 and 2009 uh, tax filings where Bitcoin was uh, mentioned. All that stuff that we were hoping to see, was uh, it was not there. The piece then added, until such evidence exists, presented under oath and accepted by non-Bitcoin observers, Wright's Satoshi identity will forever be open to challenges and accusations. Arthur, I would argue that until Wright cryptographically proves he is Satoshi, his claims will always be open to challenges and accusations. Because at the end of the day, even if the judge rules that Wright isn't Satoshi, it's still opinion based on evidence. It's not 100% definitive either way, is it? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and this brings back in memory in a tweet that I, uh, just a fun tweet, of course, uh, that I tweeted a while ago, and it went like this. Last night, I dreamed about a plot twist in the Holland Norway trial. Surprise witness Satoshi Nakamoto would enter the stand, open his laptop to sign the Bitcoin Genesis block address in front of Craig Wright, hand the signature to the judge to verify and leave. One can dream. <laughs> that is a nice dream. I like that. Yeah, because it it, it, it will make such a an, an huge impression. Because what I wanted to say here, actually, is for 99.99999% of the non-believers out there, there's only one satisfying evidence that would start to convince people hard that someone is Satoshi Nakamoto. Sign a Satoshi address, eh? preferably the one from the Bitcoin Genesis block or... Block nine, where we know that Satoshi uh, that Satoshi used to what was it uh, pay Helfini or something. So we know several addresses from Satoshi Nakamoto if he signs them. If you start by doing that, yeah, you already have ninety nine point nine percent of the people out there who will take you very seriously as a uh, Satoshi Nakamoto candidate. This is the thing, though, isn't it? Because he's given up trying to satisfy the public. He now knows there are lots of people he simply can't win over and will never win over because he hasn't got the, the, the wherewithal to do it. So he's lost interest in trying to convince the public. That's why he's now moved to trying to dupe the courts into rubber stamping him, because then he can get what he wants, which is the Satoshi Bitcoin, which is Bitcoin to become BSV. He's not interested in signing. He's not interested in doing these things you said, because that doesn't get him anything. He, he, his public reputation is just dead. and He knows this. Hence why he's only going through the court system in any way he can to get some kind of judgment from a judge so he can get his hands on these bits and pieces, isn't it? That's why he's taking this route now. Yeah, that's uh, that's how it appears to me. But it's 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 a desperate move. The real Satoshi doesn't need hundreds of forgeries either to prove his uh, Satoshiness, and he will have good explanations about why he left. He will be able to show many more emails with the early Bitcoin developers. He will be able to log on to, uh, for example, let's say P2P Foundation forum, Bitcoin Talk. Or uh, I remember uh, he also posted on Seclist, SourceForge. Just post something, do something that only Satoshi can do. The real Satoshi would do, like I just uh, said, all those things that he, because he will be able to do that. And out of desperation, because he can't and he won't and he will never. And this is the only way left for him to keep his head up, uh, especially uh, against uh, Calvin Air, who is sponsoring him. Craig's wheelbarrow of certificates. Yeah, sorry. It's meaningless evidence in comparison. We also got another clue as to the thinking of those backing Craig Wright when Calvin Eyre tweeted on August 13th, 2022, Hodler is a scammer. He is dragged through courts because he is attacking Craig to further his scams. The courts are the right place for this and he is a good target. Three days later, he posted... It's important to point out that once again, Satoshi is the defendant in a case brought by a disgusting troll of Craig's online for his own hoped-for commercial benefits. Satoshi will win again. It wasn't immediately clear what commercial benefits Hodlenort would have derived from calling Wright a fraud, but at the end of August, we got an idea when Calvin Eyre again tweeted that Hodlenort was a conflicted scammer, which he elaborated on a day later, saying that Hodlenort was conflicted to be attacking Satoshi for commercial reasons long before this. This will all come out in court. Your misinformation will have no effect in court. 
Hodlinort's response to this was simple. The guy who put a bounty on me on his website to dox me and start legal harassment now claims that I started this shit for commercial benefits. In late August, Hodlinort gave an interview to Coindesk in which he professed to feeling confident about the trial and questioned the efficacy of Wright's strategy. It seems to me at this point like their, their main strategy is to attack my character, which I don't understand how that's related to his claims of being Satoshi. Uh, but it seems apart from that that he will rely on uh, acquaintances to, to uh, you know, uh, confirm that uh, he has been working on, on Bitcoin back in the day. Uh, uh, Calvin Air, his uh, his good friend, uh, is also on record on Twitter now saying that Craig's mom confirms that Craig is brilliant and uh, that he invented Bitcoin. So I don't know, maybe his mom will make a guess that he invented Thinking back, or forward in this case, to CoinGeek's September the 6th piece, it was clear that attacking Hodlinaut's character through his strongly held political leanings was going to be a major part of their ploy to discredit him. Hodlinaut also shed light on how Wright's team was going about gathering material on him. Craig actually pivoted now very recently, uh, introducing new witnesses, removing the old witnesses he had announced, uh, and adding new... Uh, <laughs> he calls it evidence. I, I have no idea how it's relevant to the case, but uh, they have trolled through my 37,000 tweets to find uh, examples of... Uh, you know, tweets that they think, uh, I, I don't really know where they want to go with it. It's completely unrelated to the to the trial and more like examples of my political opinions or uh, stuff like that. This bore out Wright's most recent pivot, that people, not documents, equal proof, something he told Hamish MacDonald of the report in August 2022. Does it upset you that people ask this, that people want to see the proof? But that's not proof. So what is proof? I have people that knew me. I mean, everyone seems to think I'm, I'm um, secret. I mean, I had family, I had friends. Um, I've got people who are uh, high up in industry. But how does the fact that these people know you or knew you then prove anything? That's what proof is. Proof is always people. As a result of the interview, Hodlinort was accused by Air of pivoting from saying Craig is not Satoshi to saying he is fraudulently proving he is Satoshi. Air claimed that this was a small difference, but that it was the start of the evolution all the crypto wankers will now have to go through. Actually, there is no difference. The two are identical, and if this is the kind of evolution that the crypto space is going to have to go through, then by all means let it. On August 30th, we finally got an explanation behind Ayer's cryptic tweets on the subject of commercial benefits when CoinGeek publicised Wright's planned avenue of attack as the final arguments were filed before trial. Arthur, what did we learn from this filing? Well, I read it, Mark, and <laughs> seriously, it's a nonsense argument. What they tried to do is find Hodlinot's uh, motivation behind the attacks against Craig Wright, his support of uh, BTC and Lightning Network and Lightning Torch and uh, things like that. And they call it an existential threat, no less. Hmm. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Mark, don't forget, there are 20,000 altcoins out there. Yeah. And BSV is hardly more relevant than, say, yeah, pick one in the top 100 or top 500. BSV has been tanking on the market cap lists uh, outside the top 50 uh, currently. And I remember that it even hit uh, number 80 or 80-something 80 a while ago. Yeah, compared to Bitcoin, they are absolutely nowhere to be seen, let alone that someone in the industry thinks uh, that they are a threat or a competitor or something to fear, so it needs to be attacked. So here CoinGeek is trying to make uh, BSV more relevant uh, than they are, but the fact is BSV is totally irrelevant, and especially in comparison with Bitcoin. And Holdenot has only been criticizing Craig Wright for what he is uh, since we learned to know him in uh, 2015. A serial forging scammer who never ever provided a glimpse of proof that he is who he claims to be, the inventor of Bitcoin. Talk about clutching at straws. I can't even imagine what nonsense they're going to try and use to try and prove this. Because whatever they dredge up is going to either be completely made up or taken completely out of context, isn't it? 
absolutely, totally out of context. BSV has never been, never will be a threat to anything. And bringing up uh, Holdenot's uh, activities for Bitcoin, which is one of thousands, ten thousands of people who are doing something with Bitcoin. And he is thinking that BSV is a threat. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not getting it. CoinGeek also reinforced Wright's notion that proof is always people by revealing that Wright's uncle, Donald Linham, will reprise his role as early Bitcoin white paper recipient, while Stephen Matthews will also take the stand, no doubt to claim the same thing. Arthur, what can we expect from these two? We have seen uh, Donald Linham, uh, of course, uh, already huh? in, the, in the Climate versus Wright uh, case. So presuming that he will be asked to take uh, the stand, we will probably see a repeat of uh, the climate deposition. And since that contains several inconsistencies with what Craig had said about his role in uh, Bitcoin's early days, they might, and I expect them to have that uh, aligned <laughs> a little bit better than uh, in the climate case. But uh, yeah, I expect Hodlot's uh, lawyer uh, also to be better prepared to, to catch uh, new inconsistencies because there are many. And Stephen Matthews is, uh, is almost the same uh, story. He, he was, uh, of course, never in a court case so far. So probably this will be his uh, first appearance in one. So yeah, let's see what he will say uh, under oath. But in the last probably year, one and a half maybe, we have seen several interviews with uh, Stephen Matthews. And the interesting thing is, is that uh, in several of them, he, uh, he looked back on his uh, early days with uh, Craig Wright. 2006, 7, 8, uh, including the early days of, uh, of Bitcoin. And he remembers several things uh, about early white papers and an USB stick and uh, that Craig talked about uh, Bitcoin and that he tried to sell him uh, several Bitcoins in, that must have been in 2009 or something. Now, maybe this is also a good place to, uh, to, to mention one of such uh, discrepancies because it's a hilarious discrepancy when Stephen Matthews is saying that he knew about Craig and Bitcoin and, and what Craig was doing with Bitcoin in, well, let's say 2007. There was a deposition of Craig Wright in the Kleiman versus Wright case where he declared under oath that the only people who knew about him and Bitcoin and that he was Satoshi only uh, before January 2011 were Dave Kleiman and an English guy called Gareth Williams. That spy uh, story uh, thing. That's something uh, <laughs> for another day. Mm -hmm. So when Stefan is saying that he knew about Craig and Bitcoin in, let's say, 2007 or 8 or 9, it's completely contradictory to what Craig Wright himself declared under oath in the climate case. So this will be, yeah, they will play this hard. I'm sure that Holdenot's counsel will play these discrepancies hard against, uh, against them, only to make the judge aware of those, uh, yeah, hearsay stories that are meaningless. Well, yeah, they're, they're backed up by no evidence, are they? They can say anything they like, but without some kind of proof, it just carries almost no weight whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. And because when you ask uh, for forensic evidence from uh, Stephen Matthews, he will not be able to show it. It's not there. There will not be a paper print of an early white paper. There will not be an USB stick with uh, drafts of, uh, of early uh, white papers. There will not be any source code that he kept or whatever role and whatever thing he did. That is as a, for a court that will not be enough evidence of Greg's uh, Satoshiness. In the same piece, CoinGeek accused Hodlinaut of authoring a cacophony of cyberbullying against Dr. Wright, which continues to this day. For those that have been keeping up with Wright's own sentiments against the likes of Coinbase and its CEO Brian Armstrong, Kraken and its CEO Jesse Powell, Greg Maxwell, the developers he sued in 2020, Jack Dorsey, and even his own followers, if anyone is a cyberbully, it's that man right there. Oh yeah, but his autism, how could we forget? We also learned exactly what Hodlinaut and Wright would be asking for in court. Hodlinaut would be asking the court to rule that 
he be acquitted of any claim for damages raised by Craig Wright, his statements that Craig Wright is not Satoshi are not unlawful, that Craig Wright pays his legal costs. Wright would go into the trial demanding four things. That Hodlinort's core claims that his statements indicating that Dr. Wright is not Satoshi Nakamoto were not unlawful be dismissed. That he be acquitted. That Hodlinort paid damages for non-economic loss to Wright. And that Hodlinort pay Wright's legal costs. CoinGeek also announced that it would be live in Oslo to cover the seven-day trial, along with the Calvin Air-funded documentary crew, so at least we would be able to learn about 10% of what actually happened. The same day this piece was foisted on us, Hodlinort announced a break from Twitter in the build-up to the trial, in a similar way to which Peter McCormack did. Even this simple, sensible act was pounced on by the BSV community, with Air saying that Hodlinort said he intends to hide from the media. There was also some confusion over Hodlinort's fundraising campaign, which was in fact for the UK trial, not the Norwegian one, and which we'll cover when that trial comes round next year. However, one respondent to Hodlinort's announcement of his break asked, Why? You made enough money fundraising, squeezing your community, before you disappear with it, after the trial. It's very unlikely that you will win unless the judge is corrupted. If it wasn't completely clear already, there's the BSV thought process in a nutshell. It would be nice to think that this was the fundamentalist view rather than the mainstream, but the day after this we got a further idea of just how little the BSV crowd actually understands the case, thanks to a question posed to Kurt Wuckert Jr. and his answer. What's the chance Hodlnot will drop the truth defense, pay a defamation fine to CSW, and run away with the rest of the donation money he made? Well, if the BTC people that are funding this look at it and they see the evidence and say, oh, this is bad for us, maybe he does drop the truth defense. I, I imagine he can do that at any point. Will he? I don't know, man. He, he keeps pounding his chest that he's going to keep the truth defense there because he's going to be the one that crushes Craig Wright. But man, it just it seems bizarre given how excited Craig Wright has been to sue him for all of the last three plus years here. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic, though. Firstly, let's dispel a myth straight away. Hodlinort cannot split and take the money because, not that the BSV crew would know this because they haven't bothered to check, it isn't controlled by him. The money is being custodied by OpenSats, the Bitcoin-based legal defence platform hosting the fundraise, whose board has to approve every single payment to the councils in question. With regard to the supposition itself, while the questioner may have been referring to the UK case where Hodlinort is the defendant, even though there was no mention of this in the question, there are plenty of people in the BSV camp who are still labouring under the belief that Hodlinort, who is the plaintiff in this case, will suddenly abandon his defence at the last minute. This was evidenced in a Reddit thread on the topic, where one contributor surmised that Hodlinort highly likely will abandon the truth defence in the Norway case, showing that they have literally no idea what's going on. Arthur, this reinforces what we already know. The BSV cult is just swallowing everything they're sold by the likes of Calvin Eyre, regardless of the logic or otherwise behind it, including that Hodlinort is going to split with the money he's raised for the UK trial, despite the fact that, thanks to CoinGeek, everyone knows what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't make any sense, not to me at least. No, not at all. No, if every effort of Hodlinort is uh, focused on proving uh, Craig is not Satoshi, uh, but only someone who is uh, fraudly trying uh, to prove uh, that he is anyway, then Hodlinort has all the cards in his hands uh, to prove exactly that. Craig is fraudly trying to prove something and failing. But yeah, because think about uh, that massive uh, forensic report uh, that his counsel filed. You're not going to drop such a thing. I mean, the guy spent um, two and a half million on this. Then you're not going to say... Nah, let's pull this evidence. I mean, <laughs> duh. No. Nobody should expect Hodlnot, and we are now uh, very close to uh, to the trial, of course. But don't expect Hodlnot to pull his truth defense and, or truth attack, as I sometimes call it. No way. Yeah, it's mad. It's mad. And secondly, um, this suggestion that Wright has been itching to meet Hodlnot in court, as CoinGeek is always telling us he is. And this simply isn't true. He tried to get the case tossed three times, but failed each and every time. But I suppose you're not going to get that from CoinGeek, are you? <laughs> yeah, of course not. 
Talking of reporting, when Coindesk lead anchor Christine Lee put out a call for trial reporters the same day, Air chimed back, Coindesk is a shill shop, not real coverage anyway. Just make your stories up like you always do and save your money. Unbelievable. Yeah, what, what, what is again visible here, Mark, is that Calvin is jumping on everything like a little toddler who has taken his candies away. I mean, the guy is so immature, so insecure, and sorry to say it, Calvin, but brainless. Ayer's attacks on Hodlinort became even more vicious as August rolled into September, when he warned that the Norwegian would be recorded in history as the royal piece of shite he is, adding on September 5th that Hodlinort would be exposed as the conflicted scammer troll he will go down in history as, and that he wanted his film crew to get the documentary evidence of his eternal shame. These, apparently, do not count as cyberbullying. Another prominent Wright supporter claimed that Wright had nothing to lose in the case and that mainstream media was reporting lies that Craig put forth fake evidence of being Satoshi, with another saying it was the perfect trial at the moment. In the same thread, Calvin Eyre reinforced the narrative that Wright didn't lie in his last libel trial against Peter McCormack, but instead, Craig's lawyers fucked up their evidence of damages and had to remove some before trial is all, as they had too much on their plate. This was nothing about Craig not being truthful in his testimony. That is why Craig has added new lawyers and this is why Norway will be fun. If this is even remotely true, it shows just how little attention Calvin Eyre pays to the legal cases he funds, because this same evidence of damages never changed for two and a half years right up to the trial when it was then all found to be fake. And Arthur, if Ontier's lawyers had too much on their plate, whose fault is that? Yeah, do I do I really need to answer this, Mark? Of course, it's Craig. Yeah, it's Craig Wright who is who he wants those cases, and Ontier takes those cases, and uh, every piece of exhibit, every piece of evidence that is coming into the case is Craig's work, and it is endorsed by Ontier, and when it is being called out, <laughs> they start blaming Ontier. <laughs> That's not how it works, uh, Kelvin. I mean, you can't pack a child full of chocolate and then blame the child when it throws up. <laughs> you know, no. It's just your fault. <laughs> Wright was publicly silent on the case, with none of the inevitable slack rants making it to the wider world. With his Twitter account being nothing but a feed for his blog and a LinkedIn ban still in place, no one outside his cocoon of safety was able to hear what he thought of his chances in the case. There was some concern over his ability to stand trial, however, when this happened at the start of a talk he was giving on IPv6 at the start of September. I'm hoping that you can hear me. Yeah, just give me a sec to get you back. Perfect, thank you. Yeah. <coughs> Before I start, I'll apologise in advance. I've got uh, pneumonia, so um, if I <laughs> cough, it's... Um, uh, yeah, not intended at anything, but anyway... Arthur, those were two of the fakest, most forced coughs I've ever heard in my life. This man is right. He can't lie. He's terrible at it. <laughs> yeah, isn't he, Mark? <laughs> and and then quickly mentioning that he has pneumonia, oh. which, I mean, yeah, come on. If he really suffered pneumonia, I mean, it would not even enable him to attend that online event. But, oh. Let's see what comes of this uh, excuse. I'm curious, uh, will Craig Wright uh, try to delay the Norway trial with his excuse? No idea. You know what? Even if they don't try and delay it, if he does badly on the stand, I can 100% guarantee it will be put down to that illness that's still in his system. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very likely. Indeed. That brings us up to the present day and the literal eve of the trial. Arthur, one thing we haven't touched on is the incredible support for Hodlinord. We saw this when he was first sued in 2019, but I don't think I've ever seen the crypto community come together like this for one cause before. The amount of people changing their Twitter profile pictures or publicising their support for him is, is quite incredible, really. Not to mention the fact he's received over $1 million in donations. What have you made of the support he's received? Yeah, it's quite amazing. I mean, the the Bitcoin community on Twitter is not so 
super duper massive. And then I mean, the hardcore Bitcoiners is just a group of a few thousand uh, people. So when Holdenot, for his case, uh, receives uh, currently, and uh, I happen to have checked it uh, a few hours ago, over two and a half thousand donations with over 70 Bitcoin and 60 something, around 65,000 uh, dollar in uh, in fiat uh, currency. Now that adds up to one and a half million almost. I mean that's pretty massive for just a an, an rather anonymous guy in in Norway who is uh, fighting uh, Craig Wright and uh, is trying to get some of his uh, legal costs uh, covered. So one and a half million, I think that is pretty massive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The trial is slated to last seven days, although of course we have no idea when the judge will be ready with the verdict. As an example, however, the judge in the Wright versus McCormack case took over two months to come to a verdict, and that was without having to consider evidence of the truth defence. We will of course bring you up to date with any developments in the case during a monthly update, with the second part of this two-part special coming once the verdict is in and the fallout has fallen out. Arthur, as always, thank you for your insight and for providing some much-needed background. Yeah, you're welcome, Mark, as always. And I'll, um, I'll catch you soon. Cheers, Mark. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. Bitcoin, the man who wasn't Satoshi Nakamoto. If you enjoyed what you heard, we'd really appreciate a rating or even a quick review on your platform of choice in order to get this out to as many people as possible. For early access to episodes and exclusive bonus content, please consider becoming a supporter through Patreon or Anchor. See the details in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your chosen platform in order to get new episodes the moment they drop. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter for podcast announcements and other nonsense, you'll find us at DrBitcoinPod. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll speak to you again soon. You've been listening to Dr. Bitcoin the man who wasn't Satoshi Nakamoto. Written by Mark Hunter, with additional material by Arthur Van Pelt, editing and production by Mark Hunter. This has been a Contented Media Production.